If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast all in one place. They have tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app on Apple or Android or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Now back to the good part. I'm good, buddy. How you doing, Curtis? Oh, dude. You know, we're making it here today. Um, sipping on a brewski. I uh, watched The Incredibles with the boys tonight, man. I love that movie. You can't go wrong with Pixar, man. Uh, that movie, man. That, I think Incredibles 2 might have been. It was definitely the first movie I saw with my older son. Mm-hmm. I just love that franchise. I mean, it's just... Such an awesome uh, movie. How about you? What you been up to today? Well, today I did my good old work from home routine. Um, ended up having uh, both of my classes canceled today due to internet connectivity issues. Um, so my afternoon was a little bit different than I thought it was going to be. But uh, it was a pretty uh, pretty relaxing day. Nothing to complain about. Been uh, been checking in on Twitter, making sure nothing's been going uh, too crazy for us. I see some uh, little little chatter, but nothing nothing too crazy yet. We'll see what happens. Definitely, definitely chatter right now. I think these uh, these young high school bucks are uh, they're getting antsy. They they can't practice. They got to work out at home. They're not able to get on their visits. Um, you kind of feel for them because for so many of these guys, this is the time of year where they're, they'd be going to camps and making their visits and uh, you know, and, and it's all gone right now. And for the guys who are coming in, I mean, you feel for them in one way that they don't get that sense of accomplishment with the graduation. They don't get to walk across the stage and spend the waning last few days of high school with their, with their, you know, probably friends they've had all their lives. So, you know, definitely stinks, but, uh, you see these guys out here still having fun, still cutting up. So it's awesome to see that, man. Um, yeah, like, like everybody else, they're finding ways to cope just like we are. It is very true. 
So, you know, t- today, folks, what we're going to be doing, we're going to do some rundown here of some hokey news over the last uh, few days since we last met with you. But today, the big thing will be our first hokey experiences. Yes, sir. Oh, baby. Can't wait. Can't wait. But let's start with some of the, the big news of the um, of the last few days here, Brian. And uh, I got to say, probably the biggest thing that's happened for the Hokies positively is, man, Latrell Novell, four-star wide receiver, 6'3", 195, highest power high school, Mizzou City, Texas, number 307 in the country. And 44 offers, Brian. I mean, yep. dude, that's a third of D1 football. <laughs> and, and it's not like they're the bottom. Uh, some of the biggest offers he had, Bama, the Buckeyes, the Ducks, and Boomer Sooners. I mean. Yeah, he, he, he was in the in the fold with, with, uh, with Boomer there. And then, you know, things turned sour. And, you know, it, it, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take the reward there in this case. So. Good for him. It's nice to have him in the fold. It looks like, uh, you know, DD is out there recruiting the greater Texas area just as hard as Bo is. So yes, sir, he is. And Latrell seems like he's right on top of it, following with DD and Bo. Man, um, Brian, tell me. I mean, you've seen a little bit of his tape. Um, what do you think of Latrell just right now? I mean, I think the big thing is that you know we've talked about the last couple of times, especially when we were talking about kind of the roster makeup we went through that episode and kind of looked at everything the thing we lo- we really needed was some depth at wide receivers so getting a four-star guy that's been going up against texas talent for three years now um, going into his senior year highly rated highly coveted by a lot of uh big time programs i mean there's nothing to really criticize about this i mean you may not you may not call him quote unquote elite oh. but in, in terms of being a high caliber target, he's definitely as high caliber target as you can really talk about. Um, you know, you, you say three hundred seven, yes. Yeah, so we're pretty much talking about a top three hundred, you know, player in yeah. the country. And wide receiver is obviously a different animal because we're talking about there's three, two to three of those guys on every team that could potentially, um, you know, be getting a look. So. Yeah, top the top three hundred wide receivers, nothing to scoff at. Yeah, to me, he is elite because of what you just said. With a lot of the way offenses are running in high school nowadays, there's two, three, four, and even some cases, you know, guys who are running empties. It's not what it was ten years ago when oh, he's the number fifty four wide receiver. He's okay, like fifty four wide receiver. You're saying if this guy's on a top twenty team, he's going to be on the field every play. Oh yeah. So yeah. Um, now, Brian, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, news was great earlier in the week, but last night got a little uh, – Wednesday night got a little uh, little heartbreaking for us. Um, a little, a little bit. A little bit. What you think? So, uh, elephant in the room, we did not make the top eight for, uh, for Tony Grimes, for the Joker. You know, there was uh, – bunch of blue bloods in there and then uh you know uva in there which we didn't like to see but in some ways I, you know it's bad because you know that's the that's one of the top players in the country top cornerback in the country and you know we're not in this top eight on the upside we know in april early april not december 
Uh, he was talking about wanting to commit on December 1st. I think that was the thing he had uh, trumpeted back in the first part of January was he wanted to do, um, commit around December the 1st. So at least we weren't, uh, you know, hanging on and committing all those resources to him through through the whole process only to be you know left at the altar. So if it was going to happen, I'm almost glad it, it did happen now, but it still sucks not being one of the one of the eight that he, that was uh, in in heavy consideration for him. Yep, I, I'm with you on that. Very glad he did um, go ahead, not us include us in his top eight because of what you mentioned with the resources. It does suck. Um, Tony is a hell of a player, um, hell of an athlete. You know, you know the creme de la creme of the cornerback class this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, we we talked about his versatility on the. Uh, when we were breaking down the 21 class uh, in the state. So, you know, he's a versatile guy that was going to fit in good kind of with what it uh, looks like Jay Ham is going to in this from a secondary perspective. So, you know, that piece of it sucks, but you know, like I said, if, if, if it had to happen, it's almost better it's happening now so we can go ahead and move forward and go to plan B. Yeah. Um. So for Tony, his family, best of luck to you and all your endeavors, man. Yes, yeah, sir. But we did get some other, uh, some other good news, um, at least, you know, in terms of, being considered in a uh, in a top eight or top ten scenario, we had uh, Latrell McCutcheon, yes, top sir. ten. We're, if we're talking about cornerbacks, that you know we lose out on the Joker, but we've got McCutcheon there putting us in the top ten. Looks like uh, he's been tweeting out some uh, some VT love a lot recently, so I think DD and uh, you know the, the other Latrell are down there working on him a little bit. So that's good to see. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. I mean, he's the number one corner in Texas, down in Austin. Um, his offer list, same way in the top ten, along with your usual suspects. I mean, got the Trojans, got Go Tigers, got the Seminoles. And I'm going to say something about Latrell McCutcheon. Um, last year, and I'm sure you read on this, Brian. He had, he he hurt his ACL, so he did not yep. have a 2019 season. Correct. And this is my thought with him. He's 98th in the national right now. I think he's six or seven. I feel like six or seven on the corner. If I'm wrong, my apologies. I think if he comes out and he plays this year and he plays at the level he was his sophomore year, he's on a rocket. He's going to be a top 50 player. Um, because I think right now they're holding off because he's got the body type. He's got the, he's got the show in his sophomore season. But now you're talking about if he comes back and explodes, it's going to be like, oh, we should have never doubted this kid. Let's rock it up the board. And uh, kind of a big thing here, you don't see it happen a lot. He decommitted from the Tide, which usually when Nick gets his guys, Nick doesn't let them go. Yeah, and I mean, it looks like some of that was probably related to the the junior, uh, junior year uh, injury. But at the same time, it, you know, we, we've got we've gotten on him since uh, since he's been on our board and we've stuck with him. I'm hoping that, you know, if he ends up rocketing up the board like you're talking about, that, you know, some of that loyalty and sticking by him, uh, you know, through that uh, tribulation is going to potentially pay off in terms of, you know, him seeing us as someone that didn't turn turn our back on him or, you know, slight him in any way during um, that recovery process. Absolutely. Now, even more good news, man, was the California to Virginia Tech movement can still out there getting uh, getting word. Anthony Beavers and his top five, along with Arizona State, um, Florida Atlantic, or excuse me, Florida A and M University, um, historically um, HBCU, uh, San Diego State, and Sparty, four star guy. 
and I want to ask you this, Brian. I don't know if you got a chance to see Anthony um, Anthony's tape yet, but his comparison is Levante David. And Levante David is an inside linebacker. He's not an outside will. So, and I, and I know he's like, he's only like 6'6", 190, but maybe, again, you don't get to see these guys in person. But I'm wondering if his frame maybe is built a little different to where they feel like, hey, this guy can play inside linebacker at 225. That may be the case. I haven't seen a ton of tape on him. But, it, you know, like you were saying, making the top five is big for this. I mean, I don't think a few months ago we would have dreamed that we would be even considered a top five candidate for a four star um, out of California. So the fact that we're really, you know, stretching our recruiting footprint out there and, uh, you know, testing all the waters and seeing, seeing who wants to become a Hokie, I think that's a big thing. It'll be interesting to see how that develops. But as far as, as far as talent, I mean, you know, you don't become a four star out of California for anything. I mean, that's a pretty competitive, um, competitive group out there is, you know, very similar to um, what they have in Texas and Florida. You know, I think this might be something if, if he ends up not getting quite the offer sheet that he was looking for some of the other guys. I, I know when he tweeted out uh, the top five, it was on April fools and it didn't have USC in there. Or, or and, Yeah. Where he decommitted from. Yeah. Yeah. So there was no USC, no Oregon. And people were like, uh, <laughs> April fools. And then he comes back and is like, uh, no, nope. <laughs> um, another one too. Um, Donnie Mitchell out of Tennessee, uh, another pretty, you know, four-star wide receiver. Um, love to see we're in his top five as well. Um, you know, again, it, we lost out on Tony, but we're gaining on other guys here, man. And it's uh, it's pretty awesome to see. Um, we, you know, we want the state of Virginia. It's great, but it's awesome to see that. We we have a staff that's basically saying, yeah, Virginia's important. We saw Bo when we lost out. It is a priority. Tony was a priority. We didn't get him. But we're not stuck in this. We're not stuck in a region anymore. Yeah, we're we're now saying we're going to go to Texas. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go to California. We're gonna offer these kids. Those are the two biggest states in this country. There's so many football players there, and as me and you've discussed and you know had some conversations with other folks. Guys who are ranked 40, 50, 60 in those state classes are in basically top tens of just about every state. Oh, yeah. We we talked about uh, with uh, with Latrell, with the commit we got on Sunday. Um, You know, he's, what, 44 in Texas. But that's that's number eight in Virginia. By if you use the two four seven composite rating, exactly. put him number eight in Virginia. So that's you know when you look at look at it state by state, you can't really look at that. Let's look at the composite score and see where they're falling on the you know. You know if you're using the like top three hundred, yeah, we can we can look at that because that's something you compare against. But if you're looking at oh well, you so and so in the state, yeah, that matters, but it doesn't. I think another thing that we need we can look at here. You know, this dead period is hurting some of the guys we were trying to get on campus. But the other thing that it's doing that's somewhat in our favor is because we've set up these different connections in other states. We're in a dead period right now. So in terms of recruiting, recruiting the state of Virginia and recruiting everywhere else is pretty much on equal footing right now. 100%. 100%, man. All right, let me throw it to you. Hard hat. Series. Tap and turn. What you think, man? Well, we got what we expected. I think we got uh, we got an energetic Daryl Tap, uh, and we got a very 
collected and cerebral uh, tier link. And I think that's what we're going to talk about going forward is that, you know, tier link's going to be the guy that's going to be the scheme guy. He's going to get in there and, and scheme things up and tap's going to be the guy that's drilling their ass, getting them on the field, getting them in the, uh, in the weight room, getting them in the film room. And I think just the combination is great. And I think the other thing that they brought up that is great for us is that NFL pedigree. Yep. And they, the way they hammered that home kind of in the end there just really, really, I think, was something that we need to focus on. And the big thing with that is you look at what UNC is doing right now. You know, you've got a head coach that's got a national championship ring. you got a cornerback uh, coach that has a Super Bowl ring. Yep. That, that matters to kids. It does. You know, it, it, it might seem trivial, but it matters to kids. Yep. So we get something like that with 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 uh, with Bill and with with Daryl in there. That's going to start mattering to kids too. Hundred percent. A couple things that really stuck out to me was the way Daryl and both of them talked about. They speak the same language, and they have the same thought pattern. And then Daryl said it: the defensive scheme that Bill, or, yeah, that Bill is running, is what he learned in the soup at, at the Senior Bowl and what he ran his whole twelve years. So that tells me they're connected. The other piece, and this was Justin Hamilton, he's like, there's one guy in that room that you don't want to get in a wrestling match with, and the other guy, you respect how smart he is at this line. Boom. Oh, let me ask you this. Of all the ones that uh, they were talking about, you know, the pairs, what was your favorite? We got to go Batman Robin, right? All right. Well, see, <laughs> I went Murdoch and B.A. for Rackus from the A-team, baby, because they really do kind of look like those guys. <laughs> All right, big guy. Um, so Saturday – well, first of all, I want to get to Saturday night in a second. The John Laser interview with Coach Boo was just so – thank God. The, the, the guy talked. He seemed loose. <laughs> <laughs> he brought he's up in, – He's in the basement command center. That That's his safe zone, man. <laughs> exactly. But a, but a few things he brought up, you know, he, he was definitely hitting the, the good points. But just some of the – kind of the cooler things he brought up was He's an 80 movies guy. Loved hearing that. Uh, and uh, he said it all, what, almost brought a tear to his eye when his daughter was like, uh, can we watch Ferris Bueller again? There we go. Awesome. And I mean, you can't, you can't go wrong with, with, with those 80s movies, man. I don't know. 80s is great, man. And were you shocked by his selection of the Monopoly piece? Yo, I didn't catch that part. What was the selection? What, what, do, you think he, what do you think he said since you missed that piece? Um, the iron. No, the hat. <laughs> the hats. Okay. Which, okay. What, what's your piece? Are you the iron? I'm going with the iron, man. And the iron always was the race car. <laughs> I think I just played it like at a young age where it's like, oh, just give me the race car, I'll win. And then like somebody smokes you and bankrupts you, and you're like, oh, boo. All right. I did like him going in on uh, on some of the grilling aspects, though, talking about you know having to brisket on, and you know that's one of the things he does to kind of. You know, hobby and relax and everything like that. So that that was kind of cool because that's that's a big thing for me. I mean, that, I spend a lot of time outside on the deck, grilling, smoking, all that type of stuff. So yeah, oh yeah. yeah I mean, that's that's something good that he's you know kind of you know saying, hey, I'm just like some of you fans out there too. <laughs> Absolutely. And then when he started Saturday Night Foover, oh yeah. What did I, I text like Brian? You, you know, you need to ask him, right? 
<laughs> got to ask him how the brisket turned out. And he said it was his average brisket. He blamed Laser. Um, yeah. I- I'd like to know what John Laser did. Did, did Laser... That was a long interview, man. He forgot to go out there and spritz, or he didn't put the Texas crutch on. Something oh, like that. Touche, touche. <laughs> um, but, but just Saturday in general, with Justin Fuente on Twitter, it was a breath of fresh air to us as fans. Um, oh, yeah. He was answering questions. And I know some people were like, oh, it's not really him. But then um, Mr. Trey Turner decided to debunk that real quick yeah. with the, hey, coach. Zero to ten. Rate me what I did when I came up for the Elite Series day. Zero. <laughs> Trey was like, garbage. Yep. <laughs> and then Trey That's gives, move. That's move. <laughs> and then Trey gives the backstory of he was focused on, you know, basketball at that point in time. Um, and he, he pretty much went to that to stay on the radar. <laughs> exactly. And, um, you know, when you, when you sort of read kind of what was said after that, like, you know, you, you can feel there's a connection there with him and coach, but it was everything. This his his Twitter game lately has just been up. I think for us as fans, you know, it's we're really happy. Um, and he he claims he was sober. I'll believe him. <laughs> Although he has been in the house with three women for going yeah. twenty days. So again, I seriously think he he that that basement is his comfort zone, man. All of a sudden, he's been in there for a while. He's like, okay. I'm going to fire up the Twitter and see what happens. And it was awesome. And he went, because he, he texted about going fishing with his girls. And then what was it, about 7.45, 8 o'clock? He fired that thing up to like 12.30. He was answering all sorts of questions, interacting. It was it was awesome. Um, and, you know, he asked for follows, and people were giving him that stuff. And uh, Are we assuming that him uh, thinking Drake was Prince was a joke? Yes, I do think I think he knows the difference. We we hope so. Um, yeah, I mean yeah. he's he's close to our age. That's one of the cool yeah. parts about the head coach. I think uh, Justin's forty one, and I'm thirty six. You're thirty five. We're, we're 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 pretty much in that same generational thing. So I think he knows who it is. I think he was just messing with people. So um, so yeah, and then of course uh, upon the Latrell Neville commitment the Stephen A. Smith gif. Yeah. With the cat oh, <laughs> cracked me up. So that that would call me out guard. I was like, oh, 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 who did that? Who did okay. <laughs> really? But I'll say I this. I, and I don't know if it's if it either either he's like reading some PR books or they've got him a PR coach or maybe just his wife being around his kids and wife. And maybe that's why he's coming out because normally Again, people talk about him. He seems like he's a, he's a family. He goes to church with them. He's very, very family oriented. So when he goes home, I'm wondering if it's like I've got to put the phone down. I need to spend time with my children, time with my wife. I, I'm, you know, yeah, I could sit here on Twitter all day and play around, but but now he's getting that opportunity, and it's, it's been really cool to see, man. I mean, I'll say this: just re- looking at everything, it looks like he's a a guy that compartmentalizes things very well yeah um you know he he manages it and then he puts it to the side and and when he's doing one thing he's not doing another and then he'll dive back into that when it's time um so i think that's why maybe he comes off as you know maybe his personality isn't what you think it is because he's not bringing everything in all at once he's focused on okay well 
it's post game interview. So here's my post game interview um, side, and then you know things like that. And I think you know obviously there are going to be those moments where he's 100% himself, but that may be reserved for his players and his family, and not for the general public. True. Although we have seen crazy, insane view, and some some one of the Twitter guys brought it up was like, uh, what exactly did you say to the refs? On the Notre Dame game back in 16, they got you a personal foul. He, his comment, it's not suitable for print. Yep. I remember when that happened. Because if you remember that season, we hadn't really seen the, a lot of emotion from But when we saw that. It's like, okay, this guy knows how to fire it up. What I always want to say is, if this was like a bar fight, I think he would have punched the ref in the face. So, uh, yeah. But Accurate. Also to see Accurate. All right. So, folks, we're going to move on. And we're going to go to some of our first Hokie experiences and Brian, lead off, man, because you, you're, you're, you you got me by a year, buddy. Brian, I got you by a year, and I got you uh, on some. I guess maybe you've got the you've got the saddest story. I've got the weirdest one. So, I right, so um, shoot. We'll start with the more straightforward one. So the the actual first time set foot into Lane Stadium was two thousand two. Rutgers. All right, give me the backstory. How'd you get? All right, backstory. Backstory. So your boy was not on the travel squad his first year at Hammond Sydney. Full disclosure. Yep. I know that's going to sadden everyone that thought I was some sort of baller. I did start, but not my freshman year. Um, (laughs) So when so when the team was away, your boy was at home, and I happened to have a, a good buddy up in Blacksburg that said, hey, I got you a ticket. Let's roll. That was Matt, wasn't it? Matt Moore. Matt Moore. Matt yeah. Moore. So, get to Blacksburg. My boy lives in Lee, Lee Hall. He's a freshman. Um, I get to, We get to Lee Hall. We're hanging out. We go. I forget where we went, but we went to get a bite of food, and we came back, and he realized he forgot his hokey pass. He's like, I know a secret, though. <laughs> He's like, Lee Hall door across from – the basketball practice facility, if you push it in and then jerk it out real quick, she'll come open even though it's locked. Okay. <laughs> so we got in. This is going to come. This There's a theme here that's very important for later uh, consideration. For your second experience. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then we had another buddy, actually a cousin of mine named Jeff Hudson. Um, Jeff. He had an apartment. So we went over to his place later and did some pre-gaming and then um, hit up the tailgate scene for a little bit just before we went into the game. All right. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Where'd you tailgate? First place. Oh, uh, man, I'm trying to remember where we were tailgating. I mean, did you like, was it like Chicken Hill, Duck Pond? Uh, it was it was, it was Duck Pond. It was Duck, it was Pond. Duck okay. Pond. Yeah. Yep. And so hit up Duck Pond, then we head to the stadium. So as for the game itself, it was one of those games, those classic hokey games where we're way better than the opponent, but this game is way closer than it should be. Frickin' Rutgers. Yeah. Um, but the the big plays, um, I don't know if anybody remembers this, but uh, the Kevin Jones reverse field touchdown. It's one of the highlights, one of the first big Kevin Jones highlights. And you want to remember this. That, that was the yeah. thing that it stuck with me most because – I was like, I'd never seen a running back do something like that because, you know, he reversed field, then escaped, then wound back around to the middle of the field, then hit the sideline again, then was back in the middle of the field for the touchdown. Um, Then we had D'Angelo Hall had a punt return late in the game to kind of close things out. 
but the game kind of was slow because we had a lot of mistakes and uh, a couple turnovers. But the big thing is, and the thing that stood out, and we, we had talked about this early, Lee Suggs had himself a game. He did, and you played against that guy, so even more meaning <laughs> for you, buddy. <laughs> yes, he did, yeah. So he was uh, just under 200 yards rushing. Uh, KJ had another, like, 130. Oh, my God. And then Emo had about 25. So we had 350 combined rushing yards between Suggs, KJ, and Emo. I love Emo, man, but you remember that year? That was the untouchables year. Yeah. With Suggs. I mean, and did I get chills thinking about that? Those guys were so damn good, man. So damn good. Suggs just out there just rolling over people, and then once he got past them, running away from people. And KJ just, I mean – I mean, he just so electric on the field. Just hard to hard to really compare um, to anybody else. I mean, KJ was just so electric out there. Nice. All right. What about you, man? What was your first? Uh, give us your first rundown. Let's start with the backstory. All right. Well, let's go back. The year is two thousand three. Um, seven, seventeen years ago. Let's let's do that and shake our heads. Um, remember Travis Owen? Oh, yeah. Well, Travis Owen, I had ran into him like the weekend before he was moving up, going back to Tech. And I, and he said, hey, dude, come up Labor Day weekend. We'll find you a ticket. We'll go to the game. Like, oh, awesome, man. You know, I went ahead, got off from work for the whole weekend except Monday of Labor Day weekend. Um, I'm in community college at that point in time. So I, uh, I go to my classes and about my, I think my last class ended at 11 o'clock. So I get in the truck. Head back to Sobo. My parents know I'm leaving, but I got to go pack my bags and stuff. And I got to get in touch with Travis so he knows I'm coming. Well, I call Travis. No answer. (laughs) I call him again. No answer. This is now I've got a cell phone at this point. So, you know, we're not that ancient, folks. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, okay, you know, whatever. He went, it's, it's, he's, he's up in school. He probably got smashed last night. I'll, I'll go home, get on IMM's team and get his address and tell him on the way. Go home and remember the old fade IM when it was black. It was like, oh, that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Go home. He's not there. It's been like 26 hours, like since he was at his computer. Where you been, man? Oh, my God. And I'm like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now, of course, I know lots of guys in Blacksburg. I mean, you know, Wilkerson, Hudson, your cousin. Um, but I'm sitting there, and I'm like, crap. And I just saw a ping Matt Hastings. There you Yo, go. Matt, what are you doing, man? And he's like, oh, dude, just drink the beer. Like, dude, you've seen Travis Owen. I know you guys are up there. He's like, no. I was like, damn it. I'm like, dude, I'm supposed to come up and crash with him this weekend, go to the game party. He's like, dude, bleep him. Here's my address. Get your ass in your truck and come. So I'm like, screw it. Love Matt. Went up there. Um, he was living at Fox Ridge at the point in time. So Fox Ridge? Fox Ridge. Stay with <laughs> him um, on Friday night. Catch up with Wilkerson on Saturday and stay with him. We we roam. Because it's, it's going to sound really weird, folks, but that first game I went to was on Labor Day Sunday. as a 3.30 kick. Um, so partied all weekend. Hang out with our boy Brian, hang out with Matt, a lot of the other boys from back home, get housed all around Fox Ridge, have a blast. Um, wake up game day, tailgate down at Price's Fork. I don't get to get smashed, though, because I have to drive back home after the game. 
Because I got your boy probably had to work, I would guess. Yeah, I gotta go to work at eight o'clock <laughs> next morning. So I had a few beers in the parking lot. Um, I sat on student side with Brian Wilkerson, Blair Waller. I don't know Blair's married name now. Had a great time. Game was August thirty first, two thousand three, against um, UCF man. And dude, I've forgotten pieces of this game. So I went back. Hokey Tate, shout out. We wish you were still up. It was screw those guys who got you kicked off, man. I hate them. Um, but dude, the amount of talent on the team, and I'm gonna just start going through names, and you're gonna be like, "Yep." So Brian Randall, Marcus Vick, Kevin yep. Jones, Humes, Jake Grove. Gotta get you out, Lyman Love, Jeff King, Will Montgomery, Wilford, Coach Justin Hamilton catching a wide receiver at wide receiver catching a touchdown the next season he's at running back show you how developed he is on defense (laughs) or defense offense and special teams d hall was doing everything that day he caught a couple passes punt return and i'm gonna throw some just this is like the this the love names daryl tap that was his first game at tech that's tap's first game at tech man um Nathaniel Adibi, Colas Cole, the Lewis brothers, Vegas Robinson, Jimmy Williams. When I was watching this game and the pieces of it, it was just like, this is awesome. And, um, you know, the first live touchdown I got to see, to hear Skipper fire and Tech trying to be played was Kevin Jones for the touchdown run. And, um, you know. There we go. And in in U.S., I mean, that was a pretty close game. Too. Um, it's kind of like your games. Tech went up big, twenty-eight nothing. UCF then scored twenty-one in a row. Tech then scored twenty-one in a row to put it out of reach and won 49-28. Uh, um, Brian Randall tore it up. Marcus threw a TD. Defense played great, but I didn't realize how much talent UCF had. They had Brandon Marshall, Atari Bigby, Matt Prater. I mean, that's that's guys that spent significant time in the league. And, um, yeah, that was my first experience. First time I jumped, it was unbelievable. Uh, you know, I, I, I toast Wilkerson. I, mean, I don't think – I can't remember if I ever saw Travis that weekend. But I don't feel like Travis... – did, did, did you ever talk to him later and be like, what the hell? Dude? I did, and basically he went on a bender <laughs> for like three days. Okay. So he was he was outside his mind for for a several yeah. day span because there. he made it up to me. Um, the, uh, in '04, he got he uh, I crashed with him a couple times going down in '04. So he made it up to okay. me um, in a nice way. All right, so Brian, we were doing multiple experiences. So what is experience number two for you? That's going to be Commonwealth Cup, same year '02. In lane, there were snow flurries in the second half, which I think is documented the last time there's been snow during a game in yes. lane. Um, it was it was barely there, but it was there. <laughs> it was blowing sideways because that was a windy day. So I actually rode up with a friend of mine from high school, Tyler Abbott, and my stepbrother Justin Wilkerson. We actually got tickets last minute. Um Apparently, uh, Justin's mom had them for some sort of client event that got canceled, so <laughs> she just passed them on to us. I was like, sure, why not? But as we all know, it's it's Thanksgiving, so um, 
not as many people on campus as there normally would be. So I coordinated with, again, my cousin, Jeff Hudson. He's like, yeah, I'll be up there. Um, so you can crash in my place. You guys can crash in my place. I was like, perfect. You know, I wasn't planning on getting like super trashed afterwards, but I, I don't, I didn't really get trashed with Tyler very much. So I wasn't sure how that was going to work, <laughs> but anyway, anyway, uh, <laughs> that's a different, different story. Not, not really pertinent right now. So I was like, yeah, just yeah, a place to lay my head, you know, whatever. So, you know, get to the game. We are in South end zone. Okay. Yeah. Decent seats, not great seats. It's in lane. There's but, not a bad seat. Exactly. And uh, the game, you know, tight throughout. Um, the big play of the game was the J-Ham punt yes, block. And who scooped it? Oh, that, that's a D-Tap scoop and score there, sir. That's a D-Tap scoop and uh, score. It's, and it's crazy to think those guys are on the staff now, man. Yeah. So, J-Ham had the punt block, D-Tap scoop and score for the touchdown. Final score, 21-9. Again, last game that there was actually documented snow during the game. <laughs> um, but here's where things get interesting <laughs> for me and my two compatriots. Text my uh, my cousin after the game, hey, man, um, cool if we come over? And he texts back, yeah. Well, he, he calls me back at this point. What We weren't, we weren't texting, but uh, he, uh, he got back with me, yeah, I wasn't able to get back up there. Huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> This had been something great to know several hours ago. <laughs> several oh, hours Jesus. ago. So, you know, we're kind of in no man's land because none of us felt like driving back. But at the same time, none of us had a place to go. So, we were also 18, so none of us really wanted to get a hotel room because we were all kind of poor. <laughs> College broke college kids (laughs) so we made the strategic decision well i did in this case because i was the one that had the golden ticket and that golden ticket was i knew how to get into lee hall (laughs) (laughs) so i did the push pull trick worked like a charm walked up to the second floor grabbed a couple sofas in the common room crashed for the night woke up at about seven eight in the morning drove back home now that is that that's not the last of the great Lee Hall stories, but the third one has nothing really to do with football. <laughs> First date, picking up my wife, driving to Blacksburg. She says she lives in Lee Hall. She's like, I, I was like, hey, I'm almost there. She's like, I'll come down and let you in. I was like, don't worry about it. I know how to get into your dorm. <laughs> Creeper. Somehow she still went on this date with me, and somehow later she married me. And she so. had a child with you. <laughs> So it went pretty deep there, man. Yeah. <laughs> but Lee Hall's been good to me. <laughs> hey, every time we walk by, every time we've went up, you always point, you're like, I get in right there. Or at least I could. <laughs> so, Curtis, you've got a, uh, what I would call a heartbreaking story from a fan oh, perspective you wanted to share for your second experience. Oh, well, it wasn't really experience, but it, it's a story. It's a great at home experience. A moment. Um, a moment. So, in the year's 2003, man. And, um, a couple weeks before the Miami game, uh, Brian Wilkerson, one of the guys we've known forever, man. Can't remember if he gave me a call or um, sent me a message on AOL. He said, Curtis, I've got a ticket to the Miami game. 
in the north end zone. The guy's got to be out of town, wedding, family, something. He wants sixty-five bucks for it, or somewhere in there, a, a reasonable price. And I'm like, get that bleeping ticket. I'm coming. Yes, I, I'm so jacked now. The wind went out of the sails. If everybody remember, no three, we were unbeaten. We freaking screwed the pooch against West Virginia the week before. But still, that game was hype. It was Saturday night. It was on ESPN. The place was jacked. But I didn't get to see it because as I'm sitting there all happy telling my folks, hey, I'm going to Blacksburg this weekend. Call into work. Hey, I'm not coming into work. Uh, I'm, I need to be off this week. Yeah, yeah, fine. Well, Brian, you've heard this story, and it's sad. Mm-hmm. It is. The car insurance bill came for the truck. My mom walks into my room. Hey, you need to pay this. I look at the bill. I look at my bank account. And needless to say, you show. Curtis didn't get to go to the Tech Miami game of 2003. I watched it at home because I was literally broke after I wrote that check for my car insurance. It was an amazing experience, but one of the sad things is of that crowd that night was electric. That crowd watching it at home, you that was one of those games. And then all the plays that happened with, you know, give it to me, Roscoe. And, you know, just blowing the doors off them in that third quarter. I I, I, I admit, I believe I cried that night because I know I should have been. And not just in east or west stands and student section, not in south end zone, the north end zone. The creme de la creme of seats for a tech game for when we what we were in that age in my 20s. So, yeah, man. <clears throat> Um, I think that would have been worth uh, taking the DMAC, man. <laughs> I didn't know much about insurance. All I thought was, it. I know, I'm just saying that might have been worth the DMAC. Yes, I don't. Well, oh yeah, <laughs> but you know the issue. My parents were really good friends with uh, the Farm Bureau agent. If I hadn't paid that, a lot have been a, I'd have been given hell. Yeah. So, yeah, it is what it is. All right, so guys, this week. We're not really doing a poll, but we're going to do some open-ended questions. Your first time in Lane Stadium, who was that first player that just popped to you? Um, Brian, go ahead with yours from that game at Rutgers, and I think it's 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 in a way for you, it's probably a little more um, a little more uh, personal. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this with I'm probably going to give some love to two people here, but I'm going to go with Lee Suggs as the sentimental pick here. Um, <clears throat> I was in high school. We played against them when he when he was still still in high school. And I do – oh, man. Just watching him was kind of like – it's like, oh, that's what a running back can be. Like, because, you know, we, we didn't – I didn't really experience that up until that point. I was like, okay, well, that that's what it is. I got a buddy that got – uh, trucked by Suggs. Jesse Rogers he still talks about it to this day. Jesse Rogers still talks about it to this day. Jesse Rogers is one of those like undersized, scrappy guys that played on both sides of the line. Um, and you know, Suggs was coming through the hole, and he decided, all right, I'm gonna stick my head in here and see what I can do. And he landed flat on his back, and Lee kept on going. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, you know, big big shout out to Lee Suggs. I mean, he had a huge game, was 193 yards rushing, two touchdowns, and just every time he touched the ball, it looked like he gained five or six yards minimum. I mean, and then he was gonna be he broke a couple 20 yarders, broke a couple 30 yarders. I mean, he was just up and down the field. I know KJ had probably the most electric play of that game, but I came away a a, a big still Lee Suggs believer um, because of just how dominant he was from start to finish. And another sentimental shout out for that game is uh, to Brian Randall, because at the time, um, not, not only being a Tech fan, but my RA down the hall from me at Hamden Sydney was Brandon Randall, uh, Brian's older brother, uh, stretch four for Hamden Sydney for uh, for a few years there. So it was fun, you know, having that little tie-in that you know not everybody knew about. So it was that was kind of cool, and always been a big uh, big Brian Randall fan. Um, just think, you know, he was uh, he was a guy that probably is somewhat underrated in terms of the uh, you know the glory days of, of Virginia Tech from a quarterback perspective. So you know, Vic and uh, and Tyrod get the get the most love, and Logan gets a lot of love. But I think sometimes we forget about Brian. So. Oh, yeah. That's my two. What about you, buddy? Um, the first one you mentioned him with that run, but Kevin Jones. Um, his the first play I ever saw was not a Kevin Jones play. His was the second. Um, the first was Doug East, like full big forty three to fullback with a little catching little pass from B Rand. But watching some of his jump cuts and just again when I watched that game through Hokie tapes, it just, I kind of went back and said he was that good. Um. And Kevin Jones was that good in the NFL. If Kevin Jones doesn't get that list Frank spring, my opinion on him is of the 2000, 2010s, he would have been considered one of the best running backs. Um, now, the other guy, um, and this is just straight up just because of who he was, it's D. Hall. D. Hall played everything that game. He caught two passes for 40 yards. He was always a baller on defense. He was legitimately one of the best punt returners in college football history, not just in Virginia Tech history, college football history. And just to see him, he was out there so much. Um, those are my two guys. Now, you know, fans, what we'll ask you guys to do, if you've got one, if you've got two, put them out there and and tell us, who was that first player that when you saw them, that first game you went to, was it like, oh, boy, this is different? All right, Brian. Have we missed anything? Any breaking Twitter news while we sat here and, uh, you know, relive some glory I don't days. see anything popping up for me. I don't see anything popping up. So I think we're good to go. I don't think we've had anything anything that we need to break right now. I'll definitely say that. Awesome. But, uh, you know, th- tomorrow is another day. So I think, I think we've got some good news coming down in the future. So I we'll mean, see. you feel like there's some momentum gaining. I'm with you. So hopefully the next time we do this, we're talking about, three, four, five, six commits where it's like, whoa, what what happened? So let's do this, man. This is going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. My name is Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. As always, we let our guy Jason Long play you out. Catch him on Spotify and Apple Music. We thank you for listening. Subscribe to us, Spotify, Apple iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook. And as always, let's go. Hokies!